So I'd ask you to turn in your Bibles or on your devices to John chapter 15, verses 9 to 17. And I'm going to ask you to stand this morning for the reading of the word. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. Let us pray. O God, you have prepared for those who love you such good things as surpass our understanding. Pour into our hearts such love towards you that we, loving you in all things and above all things, may obtain your promises, which exceed all that we can rightly desire. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated. This is our fourth and last week of seeing Jesus in the common. The first week we learned about seeing Jesus in the broken bread and how it is that we can understand Christ best in fellowship. Then we talked about seeing Jesus in the good shepherd and how he is with us in our deepest need and darkest moments. Last week we thought about seeing Jesus in the vine and how that looks like sustenance and provision so that we can bear fruit. And this week as we close out this little series, We'll talk about Jesus as a friend. Did you know that Facebook limits the number of friends you can have? There is a cap. Uh, I'm pretty sure most people have not reached that cap. Um, there are a handful of people who have, but they cap you to 5,000 friends. Uh, I don't know if you're aware of this, but it's kind of um, hard to interact with 5,000 people on a regular basis and call them friends in any real and meaningful way. But in fact, Oxford University has said that our brains can actually only kind of manage 150 friends at a time. It's called the Dunbar number, that 150. And it says that 150 people are all you can reasonably care about and contact in like the space of a year. So when you have your 5,000 friends out there on Facebook, it's a pretty good bet that even though you have 5,000 people that are liking your statuses or engaging with you on that social media site, only 150 of them 
at a time are really people that you connect and interact with on a regular basis. And I'm going to guess beyond that, you probably only have a, a circle of friends a lot smaller than that who are actually people that you care really deeply about. People that you would drive all the way from Tinley Park to Moments for their birthday randomly and out of the blue. People that you, uh, that you surprise by putting flowers in in the front of the church. People that you pray for and talk to and engage with. It's a different kind of friendship, right? There's the people that you know on Facebook, and then there's the people that you really know. Some of them may only be people that you know on Facebook that you've never actually had a chance to interact with personally. That's kind of the beauty of Facebook is that you have this group of people that maybe you know pretty well that you've only ever met on Facebook. But at some point, if you don't ever have a face-to-face -face conversation with them, there are limits to that kind of friendship. I like to think that if Jesus had been giving his talk to his friends nowadays, that he would have, instead of using the parallel of, you're not my servants, he would have said, you're not my Facebook friends. You're my real friends. Because Jesus would have wanted to make the point that his friendship with us comes from a really deep and personal connection that he wants to have with us. You see, when Jesus tells us he's our friend in this passage, he's not talking about a Facebook friendship. He's talking about the kind of friend who is there for you, who calls you out when you mess up, who supports you when things are dreary or wrong, who keeps you from drowning in self-pity, Scripture gives us pictures of what Jesus could have been talking about when he was talking about friends, about people who were friends with God and friends with other people throughout Scripture. We see the story of Adam and Eve and how they were friends with God. God actually came and walked with them in the garden every evening, like a status check. They, he would come, they would walk through the garden, they'd talk about their day. Adam's like, oh yeah, I named the elephant today. That's a really weird one, God. Uh, I don't know what the heck was going on there. Like, uh, what you ate for breakfast that morning? Woo, that is a strange looking critter. They had that kind of relationship, that kind of friendship. Then the fall happened. And God, again, interacted with his people when he promised Abraham that he would be the father of a nation. He came and talked to him. He, he called out Sarah for laughing when he promised that they would have a baby at 100 years old. Sarah heard them talking, God and Abraham a couple angels, they were all hanging out. And 
Sarah, Abraham says, or God says to Abraham, you're going to have a son by this time next year. And Sarah burst out laughing. Abraham's 100 years old. Sarah's 90. She's like, are you really serious right now? That's crazy. Hey, when your buddy Brett complains to you about his newborn, just tell him, hey, at least you're not 100. <laughs> but they were friends. God was a friend to Abraham in that space. They were talking about things that were important and that mattered to God and to the future of humanity. Later, in the story of David and Jonathan, we find a friendship that is really, really deep. Jonathan is the son of the king that's trying to kill David. And yet their friendship transcends that. They promise each other that they will look after their, whoever survives this rivalry. That they will look after each other's families. David does just that. He brings Jonathan's crippled son to his palace and seats him at the table like a son. He had no obligation to do that other than his obligation of friendship. That's a pretty spectacular friendship. And we've kind of changed what friendship means in our time by using some of these social media tools. And I don't think there's anything wrong with them. I don't think there's anything wrong with Facebook or any of the social media tools. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is, is that we've changed how we characterize people as friends in our lives. And sometimes I think we treat Jesus like he's a Facebook friend. Think about a picture that you see on social media or just a picture that someone texts you or hands you, Joyce. You see the picture. It's a smiling family of four. But what you don't see is in the seconds before the picture was snapped, the toddler son is biting his infant sister who's pulling her mother's hair, who's screaming at her husband because he's paying attention to something else off in the distance instead of what is happening right there in the moment. And then the picture gets snapped and everyone smiles and no one sees that there's real life, real struggle that's happening in that little family. And a Facebook friend will see it and like it or laugh at it, whatever. But a real friend knows that that family is struggling. A real friend comes into that moment and soothes the baby, reminds the couple that they love each other, maybe scolds the toddler. That kind of friend is engaged and the family is not afraid to show that friend who they are because they're that kind of friends. 
And that's the kind of friend that Jesus wants to be with us, the kind of friend who knows our struggles, but not only that, asks us to show him our struggle, asks us to lay it out for him, to be vulnerable in front of him, to be transparent with him. He already knows. All you're doing is treating him like the friend that he has said he is to you. Our Facebook friends have a lot of opinions. Hopefully we have friends who have some different opinions than ours. Otherwise it's what's called an echo chamber, which means you only hear back what you say. But sometimes we don't. Hopefully we think about some of the other contrary opinions that we hear on Facebook. There's been a lot of conversation about fake news and how that has impacted what we think and see about the world around us. But a real friend doesn't necessarily care if our experience matches what we hear from them. A real friend will tell us what we need to know. A real friend is invested in truth, truth that instructs and builds and helps. And Jesus is truth. His truth is that his love and grace and mercy are bigger than our hates and sins and doubts and fears. And his truth is available to us, but only if we are friends. How often we give our truth to him and let him transform it. How often do we recognize our limits and weaknesses and sins and give them to him and let him change us? How often do we really let his truth become our truth? How often do we allow his truth to invade our hearts and minds in such a way that it becomes embodied in us? A real friend comes over for dinner. They're part of our lives in real ways. They eat with us, live their lives with us. Real friends are active and vital parts of our actual reality on a regular basis. I think this is why Jesus invites us to his table every week. Because he wants us to engage with him as a friend in that kind of relationship. But I think he also wonders why we don't then allow him to be part of our table at home. Allow him to be a part of what we are doing all week, not just on Sunday. Allow him to be, as Paul says in Acts, as he speaks to a group of philosophers, the reason we move and breathe and find our being, that we are his offspring.
Jesus wants more from us than a casual interaction. It's more than just a Sunday go-to-meeting relationship. It needs to be deeper and full. It needs to be a relationship that requires a daily interaction with the God who made us. I don't know about you, but if I go a day without spending time reading my Bible and praying, I notice a difference in how all of my relationships, in all of the things that I do that day. I need to spend time with my friend Jesus every day. And when we spend time together, I find myself telling him things that are happening to me all during the day. Oh, Jesus, did you just see that? <laughs> Jesus, I cannot believe she said that. They're prayers. We're told to pray constantly. But I think the only way we can pray constantly is if we pray intentionally by sharing all of what we do and all of what we are with Jesus every single day. It's a friendship that requires actual interaction. I, I have a lot of friends on Facebook. I, I do. I, um, I know most of them I've had at least some real-life interaction with. But I've found over the years in different circumstances that certain friends are closer to me in different situations. And I find that it's usually the people that I've gone out of my way to be intentional about talking to. Whatever that looks like, that can be online. But just conversation with an actual person drives that relationship. Keeps it alive, maybe, longer than whatever it was that caused us to be friends in the first place. Right? High school friends that maybe I messaged or work friends that you spend time with or talk to. There's ebbs and flows to how those relationships work. But the one friendship that has to be continuously connected to us, or you'll find it in the same category as those friendships that you had once that were really good, that were great for a season, but then have dropped off, That relationship with Jesus, that friendship has to be nurtured. It's why we come to church, because we're all friends with the same person. <laughs> and we need to hear what he has to say to us. But we also need to share that back to him every day.
There's a reason why God uses marriage and parent-child relationships as metaphors for our relationship with Jesus. And it is because we are to be that kind of friend, the friend that just keeps talking to each other every day. The kind who can just whisper, I love you in the dark, and the other person knows exactly who you are talking to. The kind who walks with you in the joys and sorrows and who forgives and who leans in. The kind where we remember that Jesus gave his life for us. The kind where abundance is found in trusting and loving and seeing Jesus closely and beautifully and wonderfully. As we come to the table today, we come knowing there is room for us to love deeper and to live more fully as friends of Jesus. And I pray that as you come to the table this morning, and we're going to do communion a little bit differently this morning, but as you come to the table this morning, that you do so remembering That the love that Jesus has for you is represented in his very broken body, in his very shed blood. And that as we participate in the table, we take that into us and we remember that his love for us is bigger than we could ever understand or imagine. Oh, but I hope that it is real to you, that it is powerful for you, that it is profound for you, that as you take, as you receive these elements this morning, that you know to the very core of your being that you only want to love him more.